Assalamualaikum and hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Harun Diaries podcast. We are going to continue on with the man who uh, will not stay silent, uh, which is of course Tun Dr. Mahade. Um, I, uh, after the first interview on Zoom, uh, thought that you know, I'd be quite satisfied to leave the, the project there and, and let it stay where it is, especially when he said that the whole case against my grandfather was uh, entirely political. But for some reason, uh, things uh, didn't stop, even though I had planned to stop there. Uh, and opportunities to speak to different people kept coming up after that. And opportunities to to read and research and to uh, gather more information kept presenting themselves. So I, I thought I might, I might as well continue. Uh, luckily enough, uh, just before the uh, last election or a couple of months before, I was contacted by his uh, admin team uh, because I had expressed uh, a desire to go and see him personally just to say thank you for agreeing to the Zoom interview. Uh, he was busy at the time but uh, when he came to England uh, to give a speech I think his second speech at the Oxford Union uh, his team got in touch to say do you want to, to come and say hello um, in London whilst he's there so of course I uh, I accepted the opportunity it's not every day that you get to meet an ex-prime minister uh, so why not so the, the meeting itself was on the 20th of October in 2022. It was at the official, I think there's an official residence in London that's owned by the Malaysian government uh, in some apartments just opposite uh, Hyde Park. If you've been to Hyde Park before, there's a massive uh, children's playground. Uh, and if you keep walking down the playground towards uh, from the from the Bayswater area towards the Kensington area Lo- loads of Malaysians in this area all the time um, directly opposite the, the exit of Hyde Park on that stretch of road uh, is where the apartment is so I, I kind of uh, was working uh, but managed to get some time off for early on a Wednesday uh, morning to go to go and see uh, Dr. Mahade there and I didn't get to prepare much um, but I did read the book that I mentioned here and again I make the same mistake of calling the author Adola Ismail it's actually Dola Ahmad so Tansri Abdullah Ahmad the book is called Con- Conversations with Tunku Abdul Rahman uh, so you know I, I recommend the book if, if you if you're interested in, in this kind of thing so I think um, when I got there, it's, it was interesting. I, I really wanted to meet him because of some personal kind of professional reflections. So in the last few years, especially due to COVID, uh, working as a family medicine doctor in, the, in England, we did lots of telephone consultations. And you can pick up really interesting uh, cues on the telephone, the strength of a person's voice, how quickly they're breathing, uh, and you can you can detect if someone is is ill or not. But um, you just can't get away from the fact that face to face meetings are so much better. Right? You pick up on different things: the person's environment, body language, how they're dressed, facial expression. Uh, the people around them, how they interact with people around them. So that was all really fascinating to, to see. So I was brought into the, the apartment uh, by, uh, I think it was his bodyguard, up the lift with some other uh, visitors that had come to see him. And uh, there was a central kitchen area right outside the lift. Uh, where all the people were there, I think Tun Siti Hasma was there, uh, entertaining guests. There were stacks of Malaysian food, uh, which made me very hungry because I'd only had a cup of coffee uh, that morning. Um, and Tun was sitting in the living area, which was to the side of that, the main kitchen area. And uh, just before um, 
going to see him. You know, you could see him from afar. The door was open. Uh, he was just sat uh, alone in the living room, uh, watching the the television. I think Liz Truss had resigned on that day, the UK Prime Minister, and it was interesting to contrast the kind of noise coming out of the kitchen, and him just being quite alone there in the living room. That's one of the things that I still remember until today. Um, and uh, the TV was on, so I, I said hello to him, I greeted him, I asked if we could switch the TV off because I couldn't hear him. Um, and because um, the, the furniture, I guess, uh, was the, the couch that he was sitting in, the, the armrest of the couch kind of covered the whole body, so just his head was peeking above the armrest. Uh, so. Uh, that was something else I remember in terms of an image as well. And he got into talking, we got into th- some small talk about his speech at the Oxford Union. And I guess even though I didn't plan to ask him that many questions, he started to go on a roll. So uh, I had to stop him and ask him permission whether I could record the conversation. So I placed my phone on the tall uh, armchair rest. Uh, which meant that the, the the microphone was right next to him. And then we just started to have a, a general chat about uh, my grandfather again, which was which was interesting. So just to, just uh, because I didn't catch the first few bits of the conversation, he was basically um, a bit disappointed that there weren't that many Malay students at his uh, speech at the Oxford Union. Um, and I guess true to form, right? This this conversation, I think you're going to get a real sense of the psychology uh, of Tun Dr. Mahathir. Uh, really very kind of deep-seated. And then you can kind of start to understand a little bit about how he views things, his behaviour. Uh, and I think this may not surprise people but it's really interesting, I think, to listen to him in this particular podcast and, and very unique because it's not very formal and it's quite casual. Uh, so uh, here it is. I hope you, you enjoy listening to him. You might not enjoy it, <laughs> but uh, let me know what you think about it anyways and, and we'll see you on the other side of the podcast. So, uh, after independence? What is, this is what I'm telling you. It's not written anywhere. Mm. It's not noticed by many of us. Yeah. Because they don't. I saw. Mm. I saw this thing because uh, Saya, even at that time, I was already politici- politically involved. Mm. Saya nampak British punya policy. Dia ambil semua untuk dia. Tem- orang tempatan dia tak bagi. Tapi hmm. orang tempatan ni tak komplain. Melayu kalau tak komplain. Because they don't see the opportunity. Hmm. Dan China, dia nampak opportunity to go big into mining, to go big into estate development, hmm. banking and all that. Tapi yang ni semua British tak bagi. Hmm. Jadi China masa tu terbantutlah dia, dia punya development. But the moment we became independent, kita abolish British punya policy. Bila abolish British punya policy, orang Melayu pun boleh dapat, tapi orang Melayu not interested. They are not business people, but the Chinese saw opportunities. Within two weeks of independence, China minta dua lesson bank dapat. Land banking, UMBC apa semua, dia bagi ke China lah, China yang minta. Orang Melayu tak minta. And then, apa nama, uh, estate nak besar pun, uh, kita tak halang, kita bagi China. Perniagaan semua terbuka, open. So, the Chinese seize all these opportunities, which were available to the Malays, tapi Malays did not understand this. So, within a few years, the Chinese economy grew. By the year 1969, China dah uh, jadi cukup kaya berbanding dengan Melayu. Jadi 
Orang Melayu pula Dia nampak tungku ni tak buat apa Untuk orang Melayu hmm. Pasal the Malays are always expecting The government to do something for them China tak payah Government Dia tahu dia nampak peluang Dia ambil peluang Kalau nak, dia ada orang Melayu ada tanah BJ Dia apply dia, dia exploit So the disparity between Malaysia and Chinese Masa tu meningkat Nampak sangat jadi marah kat Tunku Pasal apa Tunku tak buat apa But Tunku has got no idea He was not actually Administrating Dia tinggal semua kepada Razak Dan waktu tu Tuan Razak pun Bau juga Dia belum lagi ada idea Nak rural development Apa semua but later on he went For rural development But before that uh, Orang Melayu Uh, tak dapat benefit from independence Orang Cina nampak Jadi when the disparity is very big Orang Melayu marah Marah kat Tungku Itulah yang The feeling against Tungku was very strong Before that of course Tungku yang lawan Untuk dapat kemerdekaan The Malaysia appreciated that Tapi dia punya administration tu Does not help the Malaysia jadi orang Melayu semua kecewa Sebab itu bila orang Cina pemain uh, Orang Melayu bila dia kata dia menang The Malaysia reacted lah Became violent uh, And then uh, banyak criticism Against the government was there But it was complicated Because of the split in MCA MCA punya split, split tu resulted in the formation of gerakan. Jadi orang Cina ada now alternative to MCA. Dia belah gerakan. And gerakan was very anti-government. Because uh, dia, dia orang tak setuju dengan, bukan tak setuju sangat dengan tungku. Tapi they want a bigger share lah. Jadi when by 1969... What happened was that The Malays Tak ada improvement langsung Macam British time The Chinese has already gone ahead Dia ada bank Dia ada macam-macam lah Itu uh, cause a conflict between uh, Malays and Chinese Jadi the Malays blame, blame Tungku Sebab tu apabila jadi rusuhan The blame was against Tungku Not against Tun Razak uh, And uh, well I also would make matters worse by writing to Tungku, say condemn their abasma. Jadi, uh, the split among the Malays was within Amnu, uh, followers of Tun Razak and followers of Tungku. Tungku punya followers ni tak banyak, cuma Cik Husnu dan a few, a few others. Yang lain semua tak ada. So, that was what happened Uh, led to the riots, the the uh, apa nama clash between Malaysia and Chinese for uh, May 13 yeah the hmm? riot the riot May 13 riot yeah yeah I mean later on uh, there was one book I'm reading now uh, it's by Abdul Tansri Abdullah Ismail late Abdullah Ismail uh, called Con- Conversations with Tunku Abdul Rahman. Uh, I think you wrote the forward for the book, actually. I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but in that book, and there's another book called Tungku Tapes, uh, by a guy called George, uh, and George K Das, hmm. um, in which Tungku himself is uh, lamenting or complaining that uh, possibly it was uh, people like uh, Tun Raza, uh, Dato Arun. Uh, you know that cause or egg on this May 13 riot do you think hmm. there's any truth no, to that? no I think that Abogan Razak did not deliberately cause it hmm. but it is the reaction on the ground hmm. bila China, Chinese gerakan demonstrated yang demonstrate bukan MCA bukan DAP tapi gerakan hmm. gerakan demonstrated Masa tu apa nama uh, di di uh, Malaysia gathered around uh, Nihalun 
at his uh, house. So they were not against Harun. They were just against the government. Tun Razak did not stop them. And uh, Tun Ismail Bloom uh, was, was out at that moment. So, tak ada siapa stop. Jadi, uh, Harun, and to a certain extent, uh, my brother-in-law, Ghazali, terlibat juga. They gathered at Harun's house. Lepas tu, bila orang Cina demonstrated, dia pemain Melayu, dia kata balik kampung apa semua, the Malays got angry. And the organization was not actually initiated by Harun, but was started by some extremist group dalam dalam UMNO lah. Tapi dia, he never stopped. He never stopped them. And then, of course, when the Malays took to the streets, there were riots and many people were killed, mostly Chinese. Jadi, it's not your grandfather who was responsible, but he did not stop. He did not stop. Dia tahu kata orang ni nak demonstrate. Cuma demonstration ni is not something violent. Cuma demonstrate. Tapi orang yang ekstremis dalam UMNO ni, datang dengan parang apa semua. Lepas tu dia ni lah, dia when they demonstrated, dia nampak Cina, dia bunuh. Yeah, there's one article by Tan Chikun which said that actually Dato' was trying to stop them. But by that time, dah banyak sangat orang. So, banyak sangat dan tak boleh control lah. The reason I ask because your name also gets put together with Tun Razak and Dato' Arun. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's not fair to that nobody ask you directly lah. At least you have a No, I was, apa nama, regarded as a the blue-eyed boy of Tun Razak. Saya baik dengan Tun Razak. Not so close. Yang close dengan Tun Razak ni, Dollar Haman, Dollar Wahab, apa semua tu, they were close. I wasn't very close. But I was in that group. I was in that group of young people who were unhappy about Tunku Mia time. So, And always my name was put forward. Saya sendiri, not directly involved, tapi bila Tunku buat tuduhan, dia kata Razak ni bersama dengan grup ini, termasuk saya. Jadi dia kata saya yang ni, tapi saya, I was not involved in the planning or whatever. And there was actually no planning. Cuma reaction saja. Orang marah kat Tunku, yang tu Tunku tak boleh terima. Dia tak boleh terima. Tapi orang Melayu memang marah kepada Tunku pasal dia tak buat apa pun. Nak bagi, nak tudung. Kita dah merdeka, tapi merdeka dapat apa? Orang Cina dapat banyak. Dia tak dapat, kita dapat apa? Tak dapat apa langsung. Dulu rural development pun Razak yang mula. In Kedah, for example, they buat di madah madahnya scheme tu is mostly to Razak. And then I suppose kalau dekat Kuala Lumpur, Selangor, yang yang kerja untuk mengubah. Situasi orang Melayu is my grandfather lah Through things like PKNS Yayasan Selangor And that kind of policies When was the first time that you met Dato' Start to interact with him? Not much except only at party level aja Party level lah That day I met Tan Sri Syari Ahmad Samad eh Syari Samad Ex He's from Johor, ex-federal minister. So he was saying that for Amno Youth meetings, Dato would play recorded lectures of your lecture. That was during the time when I was, apa nama, expelled from 
from Amno, mm. but many people invite me to talk, mm. so I give a lot of talks, huh? Ah, okay. Yeah, ini, I don't know anybody was recording. Apparently, somebody was recording. Apparently, because apparently, mm. uh, dulu nak record susah apa saya nak kena ada tape recorder besar. Hmm, itulah. Mm. So somebody was recording and apparently Datuk was was playing it and mm. kan ada dosa Amno Youth ada mm. conference and. Uh, saya happy up the Malay punya grouses lah mm. Pasal orang Melayu buat saya tak senang And then I have been writing about Malays Since I was in I was a student pun saya mm. tulis Pasal orang Melayu ni Saya punya uh, interest is only on the Malays mm. Apa jadi kepada dia orang Macam mana paddy planters ke miskin apa semua Many things were happening to the Malays, uh, which is uh, not good for them, lah. But uh, this I mentioned. Jadi bila independence, I thought that these things would be attended to, but tunggu tak buat apa. Do you think that is because uh, of uh, or even now nowadays maybe we can draw analogy to modern times where. Because Tunku is more from the kind of royal family, uh, and then now there's still this gap between you know, say for example, the very elite level Malays and the the normal normal population. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you see, the person who uh, proposed Tunku to take over from that one was Razak. Mm, yeah. uh, the the other can JSM apa nama dia pilih yang orang tu tak dapat lah so Tunku, Tunku became the uh, president of uh, yang dipertua UMNO I knew Tunku before that before that when I organised Kesatuan Pemuda Melayu Kedah uh, we had contact with him we had some play uh, that we wanted to stage And we invited him to come and see the play, whether it is too suitable or not. But my view is that Tunku is uh, not very smangat tak kuat. Although before before everything during the previous British period, Tunku Tunku Yakub dengan Tunku lagi soan Tunku tu. They were very interested in Malay punya problem. Uh, they were among the people who set up Pekarabu, Weekly Fair, Pasumatu. Uh, they were uh, looked up to as uh, champions of the Malays. Tapi, bila dia dah uh, jadi Perdana Menteri, uh, tak nampak dia buat apa-apa. See? Jadi, uh, benda-benda yang kita hope he will do, he did not do. But I know Tunku as a very casual uh, person. Dia dia kawan Cina dia baik banyak Cina. Because the Chinese in Kedah were very close to royal family. The uh, the captain apa semua ni, they are close to the royal family because Chinese custom dia selalu bagi hadiah. Jadi uh, and apa uh, main judi apa semua tu royal family involved main judi dengan Cina jadi they are not inclined to be anti Chinese mm. they are very close to Chinese jadi tunggu dia tak apa lah Cina Cina lah dia buat kerja dia kita buat kerja kita lah dia punya attitude is that uh, there's nothing wrong with the Chinese but uh, the younger people felt that uh, The Chinese are benefiting, but the Malays are not. Yang tu, yang tu yang jadi masalah. We can see it, but Tunku cannot see it because there is a gap between the ruling class, raja-raja ni, dengan people. Because during the British time, the people were not allowed to be involved in politics. Tak boleh. Politics is for the for the elites, for the raja-raja. And dia punya uh, orang istana. Jadi, uh, when we be, got involved in politics, it was because of the Malayan Union. Yes. Yeah. Tapi, 
the top people were quite happy with the Malayan Union. Yes. You know, they tak buat apa pun. Although they were going to lose their position, they didn't do anything. Yeah, actually most of the Raja-Raja were in agreement with it. In agreement for one reason. You tak sign, they ambil another, another. tungku jadi Raja. Sebab tu, they all sign. The only with uh, Sultan who was resistant was Kedah. Tunggu untuk Badlishah, ni Sultan Badlishah. He uh, ni apa nama complain that the British were behaving like the Japanese, except that they are more gentle. Dan dia tulis orang kepada Colonel Secretary pun. Nama Johor dahsyat. Johor dia apa nama the 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 I know short time oh yeah I mean if you need to go then I I can let Tun go I have a lot of more questions but it's okay <laughs> if you have program then tapa okay do you want to die All, all of them. Yes. Hmm, apa? The, is there anywhere that he needs, uh, that he needs to go, uh, or to I meet the guests? Uh, ah, okay. I'll be ten, ten minutes. Um. Tapi tunggu yang yang bawa datuk masuk politik juga. Uh, in sixty four, I think. Dia yang bawa datuk Arun masuk politik, mm-hmm. and then after that, datuk Arun jadi menteri besar. Selangor. But as uh, one of the legends or rumors that last is uh, this talk about how powerful my grandfather was as Menteri Besar, and that's why uh, Tun Razak felt like uncomfortable. Uh, but is that this, the, can the Menteri Besar have that much uh, power over sitting Prime Minister? Not all Menteri Besar, but Arun was. Because he was an activist, okay, and he has a lot of young people around him. Okay, he were his supporters. Okay, the uh, Razak was not comfortable. Razak himself has a, got a lot of young people around him. Hmm. Uh, but the and apa semua tu, we were around and he, and uh, in fact. Uh, uh, we form uh, Afro-Asian Solidarity APSO hmm. organization too formed by Dollar Ahmad and we went to Ghana and, and all that hmm. and Tuku was very angry that we went to Ghana they marah Razak uh, because allowing us to go to Ghana because Was Ghana they, socialist at that time? Huh? Was Ghana, Ghana socialist? socialist. Ah, okay. Almost communist Almost communist huh? Dulu socialists were very active, mm-hmm. but Tunku ni very Western. They are very British. Yeah. Uh, they are very British. So you could, apa British so This was the attitude of most of the Malay rulers. Yeah. Most of the Malay rulers, yeah, sokong British. Mm-hmm. You see, so and he even married. Uh, uh, woman yeah. from England. Jadi dia punya attitude towards the British is not the same as the young people. The young people were against the British, uh, and I think your grandfather also was involved with this young group. Yeah, yeah. Even though he he himself studied uh, in England. But I think in Selangor itself, they were having these like Japanese factories and and whatnot. So not mm. not totally Western uh, looking mm. all the time. Uh, and then, of co- of course, what happened with Tunaza? Of course, he passed away. By that time, my grandfather's case already uh, proceeding. Um, there was one story that I got from uh, my uncle Datuk Suami Kam- uh, Kamaruddin. He was of no use before. Mm. He was, I don't know whether it's true, but he was saying that you, uh, Musaitam, who I spoke to also, uh, my grandfather, uh, 
uh, Anton Razak were in this so-called group lah, group together. But then uh, when you were um, offered a place to go with Tun Razak, then you so-called uh, left left them and joined Tun Razak, something like that. I don't know whether you have any <laughs> take a uh, take on that or. No, the fact is that I was close. Tun Razak, uh, I was known as the blue-eyed boy of Tun Razak. Pasal mm. Razak uh, ni, even when I was a member of parliament, I got very senior senior place in the Dewan. Mm. Saya ada tiga orang doktors tu, Dr. Awang, Dr. Megakas and myself. Mm. I was a head of Megakas and ni, because the sitting arrangement reflects the attitude towards the, the standing of the member of parliament. Jadi, even at that stage, I was very far senior. But the Tunku didn't like it. Because the Tunku and me, even in Alostar, we never got along well. So, Tunku nampak saya dengan Razak ni too close. But actually, it's not very close. But Razak, of course, they had a political discussion di rumah dia. Selalu saya hadir di rumah dia, kita ada discuss lah about politics, about Malaysia and all that. So, I was one of the inner circle. Mm. You see? But I wasn't personally close to Raja. Ah. Mm-hmm. And then, the, the last, uh, hopefully last couple of things is, when, uh, kalau saya baca yang buku tu tulis tu, yang Malay Dilemma tu, saya rasa arwah Datuk dia akan dia memang setuju pun banyak yang benda uh, yang apa yang tertulis. Jadi after you know all the uh, the political transition and what not, do you maybe regret a little bit that you couldn't use his his ability or his uh, influence more in the history of Malaysia after? Who is that? That's Arun. Yeah, well, I think uh, when he was against Razak, Razak was powerful. Razak has a lot of people uh, supporting him. So he sees the only challenger as uh, your. So they are not dekat In fact, uh, when Razak died, I had hoped that Hussein would appoint. Uh, Datuk Harun as a deputy, mm. but uh, when uh, Dr. Ismail died, I thought that Razak would appoint Datuk Harun, but he appointed Hussein because Hussein was his bearer there. He is always like that. Bila dia angkat Hamzah pun, Hamzah bersama pun, itu pun dia punya family. Razak is inclined towards that. But I was not family or anything like that. But he definitely recommended me to Hussein. Yes, definitely. And then Tan Sri Syarif Samad said that they they were also the one that suggested your name because you are from Kedah. And then you were close to the youths. This is their, his version of the, mm. the story, lah, his opinion. Um, and then with Hussein on and, and uh, Dr. Arun, I know you already wrote about it in your, in your memoirs, you went to see him and all. But what was Tun Hussein on like to work with? Well, Hussein on was very much against your grandfather, very much. When. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, um, unfortunately, there uh, our conversation was uh, was cut short, and I was politely uh, kind of ushered out of the the apartment for Tun to to entertain uh, his his guests, I suppose his his friends that had come to see him. I, I don't know, after listening to that, how, how do you feel? What do you think? Um, I'd be really interested to, to hear your views uh, because I remember when I had left that meeting with Dr. Mahathir 
just a lot of thoughts that were just uh, swirling and swimming uh, through my mind. I think a little bit also because uh, my mom is Chinese, so I felt I think I felt a little bit offended about how he was going on about it. Um, but at the same time, I think that frustration that he was talking about with Tunku Abdul Rahman, especially post independence, was very real. That sentiment was very real, and uh, people often forget that at subsequent Amno meetings, there were times where Tunku was booed. Uh, because of the perception that he wasn't um, getting things done, I think. Uh, people forget that. Although I think undoubtedly Tunku has that special place in our history of achieving independence um, and will forever be remembered for that and, and the amazing work that he did around that, his amazing work that he did in terms of international relations um, but that's the balance that you have to strike, I suppose, as a leader of a country, having to manage things internally and having to manage things externally as well. Uh, so, yeah, I interesting as well to compare the two men, to Gobdur Rahman and, and to Dr. Madhyan. I had written a little Facebook post on uh, some personal reflections on that, that actually the two men, uh, towards the end of their careers, if you think about it, even though they are so opposite and they, uh, quite frankly, weren't destined to get along, as you can hear from Dr. Mahathir's side of things, even in their early days, not getting along. Um, but ironically, they've got some similarities as well. So they're both the longer-serving prime ministers, so very strong, strong men-type prime ministers, strong man-type prime ministers, both from Kedah, both towards the end of the, their career, um, still giving their views. Tunku, Tunku had a, a column in the Star uh, called As I See It, where he would write uh, and comment regularly on, on current political affairs. And obviously, uh, Dr. Mahathir still does that today through his social media accounts. So uh, it's really uh, funny to think about that, right? Even though they're so different, but in some ways they're also very similar. The other thing uh, to think about when speak when listening to, to Dr. Mahathir is I, I feel, having interviewed so many of these leaders now, that over the course of a career, especially when you interview these uh, gentlemen or, or ladies who are, uh, who are um, advanced in their age and hopefully uh, advanced in wisdom as well, is that over the course of a career, people behave quite consistently. Uh, and you can see a certain pattern to their behavior. You can see a certain, uh, certain things in their demeanor, in the way that they do things, which are consistent to how they are. So I'll give you uh, an example. Uh, when I wrote to Tunhani Foma about May 13th, when he wrote back, he wrote back... Um, all in capital letters, and the, the letter write, reads like a police report. This is what happened, Chrono chronological order, X, Y, Z. This, this is the witnesses, this is the name of the officers, you know, exactly like a police report. Tun Musahitam, when I interviewed him, even though he had a stroke, famously he has a reputation for being a big, a great talker, can't stop talking. Even though he had a stroke, he was the one that spoke to me the longest out of all the interviews that I've done. Uh, and I think with, uh, with somebody like Tun Dr. Mahathir, if you, if you listen to this conversation and look back at his career, I think, I think there's a conclusion that can be drawn, is that he's behaved quite uh, consistently in certain ways in his career. Uh, in what ways, you can tell me. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I'm would be really interested to hear, to hear your thoughts. Um, and I wonder, you know, what what he said about May thirteenth. Uh, if you if you listen, if you listen to me asking him the question, I was very nervous when I asked him whether he was involved in May thirteenth or not, because obviously that that is a a popular uh, rumor or allegation that's thrown against him, against uh, 
against my grandfather and Tun Razak, amongst other people. So if you read K. Das's book, it will also mention people like Ghazali Shafi'i and Musa Hitam. Um, and people might be cynical and, and laugh uh, at the fact that I asked the question uh, and, you know, kind of say, obviously, he's not going to say that that he planned May 13th or whatever. But I think there's a, a great uh, Quranic principle in um, Surah Hujarat, the chapter of the inner apartments, where if there's news, some kind of ambiguity, you should clarify it. So I thought it was fair to to ask him the question outright whilst he was still alive. And whether you accept his answer or not is up to you, I think. Whether it tallies with the reality or the truth, I think were we are oh, it's hard to agree uh, it's hard to agree and this is the the challenge i think and and is the reason why may 13th is so important historically to to get to grips with um he mentioned an important character as well a guy called ahmad razali uh, and uh, you can read about him in uh, tunhani forma's report to me which is which is published on Facebook page and it's also published pu- published on another blog site called Steady Aku. You might have seen it before. Uh, and Ahmad Razali uh, later on became the Menteri Besar Selangor and as Dr. Mahathir said that he was his brother-in-law. Um, and he was also my grandfather's political secretary in 1969. So something really interesting to think about. Dr. Mahathir's view that my grandfather didn't stop May 13th is also interesting. I slightly disagree because the the only reason why my grandfather agreed to having a counter-demonstration, the counter-demonstration was was requested by the young people around him, the younger people around him who wanted to show that Selangor wasn't lost because it wasn't lost. It was split half and half. And eventually, uh, one of the independents uh, joined the alliance and, and they managed to form a government. And you can read about this in uh, Dr. Tan Chikun's article about May 13th, in which he details uh, exactly uh, what happened. And that there wasn't actually a motivation for Dato Harun to cause any fuss, because by that time, the alliance could form the government already. And um, I think one of my, uh, if you read the NOC report, one of my grandfather's intentions for heading the rally was that he wanted to be there to try and control what was happening. Again, you might agree or you might disagree. Obviously, the the people who disagree said that he was egging things on. I've heard uh, a story where people were saying he was handing out machine guns from the top of the bus. If you read the the reluctant politician, which was Tun Dr. Ismail's memoir, um, then that says that you know he was trying he was actually trying to stop it and and uh, apparently he fainted when he saw what was happening which is which is uh which is where that film Tandaputra gets that scene that Dato Harun fainted there uh, which i think is unlikely to be honest um but but yeah you know all these different views all these different views can be really difficult to reconcile um which makes things uh, make things very challenging. Uh, so yes, I think that um, interview with Tun Dr. Mahathir was very interesting. I just wanted to contrast a little bit with some descriptions of Dato Harun in previous podcasts. So for example, in, in the Tun uh, Musa Hitam episode, we heard Tun Musa compare Dato Harun to Najib. Uh, in this episode, you can make a, a, your own comparisons of Tun Dr. Mahathir and Tunku Abdurrahman. Uh, but I wanted to read out a description of Dato Harun from uh, another interesting figure as well. And you might uh, have heard of him recently. Uh, and uh, that is, of course, Tun Daim Zainuddin. So I want to read out some of his replies to me describing Dato Harun. Um, and also share a little bit about Dato Harun's relationship with uh, Tun Daim, uh, just as a link, uh, because it's hard to get him uh, 
to get interviewed because his voice is very soft, so it's not practical. So he wrote to me instead. So this is an excerpt from from some of the things that uh, Tundaim wrote to me. So he writes, I first met Dato Harun in the High Court in Kuala Lumpur. I was reading in chambers then and was following my tutor to court to learn and assist him. The year was 1960 and we had not celebrated our third year of Merdeka yet. At that time, there was only one Malay lawyer practicing and I was hoping to be the second. Practicing Malay lawyers were rare back then and those lawyers that were in government were happy to get to know us. Dato Arun was a presence in court and was, in my opinion, a good advocate. We had to be in court a bit early before the judge appeared and this gave us the opportunity to get to know each other with small talk on current topics. Dato Harun was like Tunku Abdul Rahman, a lawyer, both loved football and both got on well. I think in Malaysia, if you can combine these two and make our football team successful, you have a very good chance to build a strong political base. Tunku Abdul Rahman introduced the annual Merdeka Cup. This tournament was to become the most important football event in Asia then. Later in life, I was uh, chairman of the audit committee of AFC. The importance of football can be seen in how FIFA president is received all over the world. Dato Arun was both a politician and AMNO youth leader. He was a lover of football, took our team to the Munich Olympics. His popularity was at its peak. In politics, when you reach those heights, you are bound to attract enemies. By then he, made to, by, by then he had to watch his step and, and every move he made. There is no doubt that Dato Arun was a very successful Menteri Basar. He had administrative experience having served in the district offices. His legal training and experience on the bench and later as DPP gave him the advantage to think logically and fairly. Dato Arun did a fantastic job for Selangor and, and his achievements speak for themselves. He brought in new ideas, especially on development of the state. But running a state is different from running the whole country. My personal view, which is really not relevant, is that he missed the opportunity to be in cabinet. Had he been in cabinet, it would have made a huge difference. No Pemuda leader was as popular as Dato Arun. He was friendly, charming, good orator, and chose right issues to address the crowds. He also had a personal touch that made his PR very successful while making it look effortless. He was a crowd puller. Now this is the first part of a description uh, from Tundaim. I also want to relate um, Tundaim's personal story with Dato Arun, which you might find interesting. So he, he continues it in a, in a later part of, of my correspondence with him uh, and starts off with, I must try to explain to you um, my position. I decided to go into full-time business to prove that the Malays could succeed, to once and for all dispel the long-time belief that Malays are lazy and a race that loved to relax, but lived well on borrowed money, a race that was not interested in acquiring knowledge when the first revelation from Allah was Iqra. Read so that you'll know what you don't know. With these intentions in mind, I went to see Dato Harun and told him I wanted to go into business and needed his help. He was very supportive. That was the beginning of my journey into big business. I was very, very ambitious, but the venture ended in failure, which almost made me bankrupt. I was down, full of shame, but not out. I had learnt from my failure. I went again to see Dato Harun a second time and asked him again for help. I think anybody else would have shown me the door immediately after seeing my face, but not him. He asked me to explain the details of the project and suggested improvements etc. and advised me to submit my land application quickly. What else did I need from the chief executive of the state? He was very brave to still have faith in me. And as I told you, I am forever grateful to him. When the state government approved and granted the land to me, I submitted my layout plan for development. What was in store for me was truly a shock. The planners had only allowed 15 houses on the entire property compared that to what can be seen now at Taman Maluri. Dato Harun told me to leave it for him to handle. Later, I found out that he called Tun Raza and explained the whole project to Tun. Soon after, I received a call to present myself to the mayor. He called me to his office, asked a few questions, and a few weeks later, the layout plan was approved, this time without any amendment. I could not believe what was happening. 
to my business and my life. I will come uh, to my business and my life. Malura, Maluri became my first money machine and from then on there was no looking back. The boy from the kampong had broken the myth of the lazy Malay and he had succeeded not as Jago Kampong but in the federal capital. I don't know if you have read the articles in Kini Biz describing me as the godfather of corporate Malaysia. This article is of course a gross exaggeration but what I'm trying to convey to you is that I owe my initial success to Dato Harun. I am forever grateful to him. Uh, I tried to, to help him when he faced those difficult years. I may have failed, but when I pray, I always remember him and dua that Allah has placed his soul with those he loves. So um, I think that's just to, to just give another, uh, another angle. Um, and, and this is again why history is, is important to get all these different views because I guess somewhere in the middle of all these views lies the truth. The truth. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you have lots of things to think about. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. So I hope you, you enjoyed that episode. Um, the next episode, we're planning to have uh, the interview with uh, Lim Kit just to contrast uh, a little bit. Uh, I wish there were more kind of opposition type figures to, to interview, uh, but I think a lot of them sadly have passed on. So uh, let me know if you enjoyed the episode. Please get in touch um, with me on Twitter at Ashari Shah. You can also uh, let us know on the Allah Yarham Dato Arun Idris Facebook page where you'll find lots of pictures, uh, kind of articles that were written about him, posted uh, from magazines and stuff. And you can also uh, give us a follow on Instagram at the Harun Diaries where you'll see uh, a brief summary of his career uh, and some, uh, some more pictures as well. So um, take care. Uh, have a lovely weekend with your family. And hope to see you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.